Welcome to Ballistic Radio. Join us as we explore the subtlety and nuance inside the world of personal protection. Listen as industry experts, thought leaders, and pioneers investigate why it depends is the answer of champions. Ballistic Radio, critical thought over empty rhetoric. Ballistic Radio is brought to you by Big Tech's Ordinance. Big Tech's Ordinance, where every customer is a friend, not just an order. Visit them online at bigtechsordinance.com. And now, here's your host, John Johnston. Welcome to Ballistic Radio, brought to you by Big Tech's Ordinance, where every customer is a friend, not just an order. Visit them online at bigtechsordinance.com. I'm your host, uh, me, you guys know me, John Johnston. Remember, you can always listen to past shows at ballisticradio.com. Get the latest behind-the-scenes info, arguments, photos, videos, other things at facebook.com slash ballisticradio. I am super excited to have joining me on today's show, uh, Rhett Numair, the the internet's favorite like troublester recently. It seems like. How you doing, Rhett? I'm well. Yeah, that's a, I think that's a decent a decent title. Yeah. For, for those that have not been made angry by something you have said online and maybe don't know who you are. Uh, why don't you let us know that and kind of what you do, and we'll get into today's episode. Sure. So, uh, Rhett Newmayer, I own Demonstrated Concepts. Uh, it's a firearms training company that I started uh, a little more than a decade ago. I'm a competitive shooter instructor doing pistol, rifle, shotgun stuff. And I think the stuff that really upsets most people has to do with um, the tiny guns that I run. So, uh, I, I shoot only micro compact or, you know, tiny little pistols. Uh, I carry them very deeply and, you know, super concealed below the belt, um, almost all of the time. Uh, the, the rifles that I shoot aren't actually rifles. They're all pistols under ATF stuff. And I don't run, I really don't run stocks on shotguns or on rifles anymore uh, outside of the, the rare case that I'm doing like benched or precision work. Um, So that, that definitely uh, ruffled feathers there. Um, And then, uh, and then I'm also a big fan of um, smaller caliber stuff. Uh, I, I think we can, you know, for defensive use specifically, I, I think we can get away with a lot, a uh, lot more than most people. Um, well, they, certainly more than the mainstream seems to argue. So, sure. Yeah, think- um, well, and <laughs> so the reason, the reason, well, one, we're friends and we talk pretty frequently, I think. Um, but the reason I wanted to have you on for today is because you recently posted a video, um, regarding 22 caliber federal punch ammunition and essentially some of the results you were getting with that. And then there was this conversation that occurred where, um, you kind of, you kind of talked a little bit about what you know, what you think is going on or not going on in regards to terminal ballistics based off of your experience. So I guess I kind of wanted to ask you, why do you think uh, 22 is just fine uh, for sure. defensive use? So I, I guess I'll, I'll fill in a little bit more uh, background there. I, I think that maybe it's relevant to the conversation. Sure. Um, so other than being a competitive shooter and a firearms instructor, um, I'm also a hunter and uh, have shot, you know, a decent amount of, of living animals and seen what's going on inside there. Uh, and then I think an experience that not a lot of people have is um, I work worked in a medical device setting uh, for a decade, um, basically taking people apart and um, all of the products there. So I, I don't, I don't talk a lot. I don't dive into that a lot because there's a whole lot of IP and industry secrecy stuff there, but uh, knowing how people go together and come apart and being, uh, having personally worked on um, 
disassembling several thousand people over that career, I think gives me a little bit more insight than, than most have. I don't claim to be a, a terminal ballistics expert, uh, but I think I have a decent idea of what goes on inside of people. Sure. Um, and, and, you know, some background too, uh, for me, cause this is, again, some people know this, some people don't. Um, I've, I've been studying terminal ballistics for a while. I would also not call myself an expert, but I have been conducting my own testing for the last nine years or so. It's been a hobby of mine. I've also been involved in, um, let me think about how to say this. I've also been involved in testing that was not just me in my backyard. And I'll leave it at that, um, you know, just through the consulting work that I've done. So I maybe know a little bit more than the average picnic basket, but again, um, not, not an expert to the level of someone like Chuck Haggard or, you know, uh, Gary Roberts, or if we really wanted to get into it, uh, DeMayo. DeMayo? Anyway, um, the the point though is like this this is kind of a a fun conversation i think for both of us to have so we've established that baseline um and we're going to have to go to break here in a couple of minutes but i guess the getting back to the original question what you know why do people think 22 is completely a totally bad idea for personal protection in your opinion what is the Uh, argument that you hear uh so so the insufficient stopping power and the um the insufficient energy are the two ones that that make my eye twitch that are the most frequently thrown out there sure um would you would you like to explain um, the problem, I guess, with here, we'll do this. We'll do stopping power first. That'll take us to the break. Then we can talk about insufficient energy. We'll, okay. we'll, we'll yeah. do it like that. Uh, so, so stopping power is this, this nebulous thing that people throw out you you ask them okay quantify stopping power what does it mean well well some people will say well seconds to a stop and even then i'm like well when when you hit when you hit where what's it doing how is it doing it nobody really can tell you it's it's whatever it's a word that means whatever to people whatever people want to every different person sure um and i would go i would go so far as to say that you know, because again, stopping power is one of those words that I hate as well. Um, as you said, it's a nebulous word that doesn't have a really well-defined definition, but it also implies, for me at least, whenever anyone says that, um, a pretty deep misunderstanding of the physiolo- uh, you know, the physiological things that are occurring when a bullet actually hits something that's alive. Yeah. Yep. Um, you know, so, but we'll, we'll talk about this more in a second. Oh, both of us are going to get fired up. It's going to be good. Uh, <laughs> right now, right now we're talking with Rhett Newmayer from uh, Demonstrated Concepts. You're listening to Ballistic Radio. Welcome back to Ballistic Radio, brought to you by Big Tech's Ordinance, where every customer is a friend, not just an order. Visit them online at bigtechsordinance.com. This segment brought to you by Wilson Combat. Wilson Combat, makers of the finest custom 1911s and scatterguns since 1977, a legacy of quality, innovation, and service. Learn more about their firearms and accessories, as well as the EDC X9 firearm family i've messed this up already but i'm just going to drive on which offers discriminating shooters 1911 match grade accuracy superior ergonomics and concealability with modern service pistol capacity as well as reliability at wilsoncombat.com we're going to pretend like that didn't happen so anyway we're talking with rhett newmayer and you know we were you mentioned that (laughs) stopping power gets brought up and energy gets brought up and you know, as we've said, stopping power 
No one seems to, it's kind of like porn. No one knows what it is, but they know it when they see it, except like not. And, and the other one that you mentioned was energy. What, what are your thoughts on that? So when we talk about energy, energy is one of these things like you can, you can measure the foot pounds of energy that is delivered to target by, you know, and there, at least we can calculate that. Mm-hmm. Um, and at least it's, you know, we we're talking real numbers and not just feelings that are facts to people. Mm-hmm. Here's the problem though. It takes, um, I, I think you can you can easily argue that it takes a certain amount of energy to complete a task uh, that you want to get done. Sure. Um, and and I think that's where people get hung up. Uh, so it's how you use that energy and what that energy is accomplishing that matters. And the actual quantity of energy is irrelevant. Um, I can I can drive my kid to school in the, you know, five horsepower gas scooter that I have just as effectively as I can drive my kid to school in an 800 horsepower challenger. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's vastly different energy there. And, you know, for a lot of cases, uh, the one that uses less energy to do the same thing um, is more efficient and better use case for me. So that scooter is Honestly, it's more pleasurable than driving in my in my car or truck sometimes. I think that's that's kind of my argument here with a lot of the smaller caliber choices as well. Well, I would I would also point out too that, you know, when these conversations occur, specifically when we're talking about one, uh shooting people, which is what we're talking about, and two, shooting people with service caliber or subservice caliber pistol rounds um people start bringing topics into the conversation that maybe become slightly more relevant if we're talking about high velocity rifle rounds absolutely uh, specifically you know oftentimes when i hear energy you know energy dump discussed right I think what people are trying to get to, you know, if again, and I'm, I'm assuming here. So, but I think what they're trying to get to is the idea that energy has an effect on the wounding mechanics uh, of a projectile inside of a body. And specifically what I think they're trying to get to is a temporary stretch cavity exceeding the elasticity of the surrounding tissue and causing stellate tearing inside of that tissue, at which point the stretch cavity becomes a wounding mechanic when that elasticity is exceeded. Um, do you do you think do you think I'm on base there or tracking kind of with what I'm saying? Oh yeah, that's I mean that's a uh, a nerdier way to say it and and better you know better articulated than I would have done it. But yes, that's that's what I. I think people are talking about and um, they, they see it as a scale mm-hmm. as like uh, for every extra foot pound, you get this much extra wounding. Mm-hmm. The problem there is I think that there are very, um, there are very visible thresholds that must be met. So it's like, you know, from uh, these are make believe numbers here, but like, let's just say from one to 50, you have, you know, 49 is doing exactly the same as one. And then um, above a certain threshold, you start to see uh, the, the tear wounding that you're talking about. Yeah. Um, and to make things even more complicated, uh, this is not a straightforward equation based off of strictly velocity. This is based off of um, here, I'm, I'm going out on my own here. We have evidence of this, but I'm not going to point to any one specific body of evidence, but, um, different shaped projectiles with different frontal areas have different velocity thresholds where that wounding occurs. Well, not only that, but the mass of the projectile, um, matters as well. And, Correct. Correct. And, and that's why in certain um, heavy magnum calibers at certain bullet weights and at certain velocities, 
you can start to see that when the traditional wisdom is you don't see that in handguns. Well, the answer is always, is it depends. And then you can look at things like shotgun slugs, which are certainly not hitting the, you know, commonly thrown around velocity threshold. Um, you know, I see, I see 2,300 feet per second get tossed around online a lot. Like that's yep. the magic number. And again, there's a lot of variables there. So anyway, right. going back to the whole point, um, it doesn't happen in service calibers, period. It, it doesn't, you know, and, and I think that people lose sight of that. Um, yeah, I, th- I think we're, we're poking holes and with the gimmick rounds that are out there that tout being able to get past that, um, I think we're poking shallower holes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyway, we've talked about stopping power. We've talked about energy, hopefully address that, which will free us up to uh, discuss, you know, what we believe to the best of our knowledge based off of our experience uh, what is actually happening. So I don't know if you want to spend the next four or five minutes talking about that, but outside of like psychological stops, what needs to occur, um, you know, for, for us to see a physiological stop. Sure. Uh, so I, I just throwing it out there. When we talk about firearm use. I'm not talking about shootings. I'm talking about all defensive firearm use. The vast majority of those uses are uh the the successful uses are relying on a psychological stop whether that's like showing a gun to someone and they run away or uh that's like showing someone that they have been shot even though it is not an an immediate physically incapacitating hit they have been shown that um they they are shot and it probably will happen again and they you know psychologically decide you know no more um now, now the the physical immediate incapacitation uh i see that coming from in in all of the pistol calibers it comes from poking a hole in a structure uh that is going to uh disrupt the central nervous system Mm -hmm. and that is the uh that is the primary the the really the only one on my list that is effective all of the time and then uh we have uh, poking a hole in something like the heart or massive arterial body uh, that uh, is going to, um, in my opinion, still uh, still cause a central nervous system response, uh, which stops people immediately, or it's going to leak someone out uh, faster than anything else, faster than any other shot anywhere else. Right. And so when you're saying it's still going to cause a a nervous system response, this is something that's sort of difficult to quantify. Certain people, when they are fatally shot, um, are going to, as you said, have an involuntary reaction to that. Certain people aren't. And it, there's no real good way to tell ahead of time. Like people don't wear a sign like, Hey, you poke a hole here and yeah, it's not going to, it's not going to, you know, scramble my brain, but um, my body's going to go, nope, and I'm going to sit down. Like that, there's, there's not like a, a way to tell that ahead of time, right? And I, and I guess what that would be quantified as is the difference between a dedicated attacker and not. Right. Okay. Yeah, I, I, think, I think there's, that's, that's a factor in there. Um, I also just, there's some some old I wish I'm trying to think of the 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 dude's name old research uh, on game animals about heart shots and like sometimes it actually is like a, a a real central nervous system stoppage because you basically hit them at the right moment and and you're pulsing blood at such a pressure you're kind of aneur uh, causing an aneurysm kind of thing yeah and other times you're not uh, whether that is let, let's just say Let's put aside the debate on whether that's that's the exact mechanism. Mm -hmm. What we see is sometimes people get shot in the heart and they are done. Um, And sometimes people get shot in the heart. uh, They take a step back. They turn around, get in their vehicle and drive another mile away. Like this is a real case. Um, 
And and sometimes it gets shot in the heart and there's Stacy Lim and they chase down the person that shot them, uh, you know, win that fight, walk back to their driveway and disassemble their gun so no one can steal it while they're laying on the ground, supposedly bleeding to death, though um, in that instance, they didn't. Like people do weird things when they get shot. And I think that's another variable that folks don't talk about either. Right. Um, yeah, so... Uh, so I, when we talk about what what pistol bullets are doing and how we get physical immediate incapacitation, uh, for me, it's really it, it's all talk about central nervous hits and the target that I like and I present in classes is probably different than the majority of targets that, that the anatomical targets that most people are are used to seeing. You know, the the common one would be like the heart zone with the picture of the lungs uh, or some sort of a zone that represents the heart and lungs together with little um, with little boxes or for the, the eye box and the brain. Mm -hmm. Um, For me, I I'm, I'm much more comfortable using uh, the little circle for the brain and a string hanging down from it. And that's really all I care about. Because if you try and hit the spine in center mass on a torso, you're probably setting yourself up good for all of those other targets that people, you know, debate are immediate incapacitating targets as well. Right. And I, I want to talk about that a little bit more, but we have to go to break. Right now we're talking with Rhett Newmayer. You're listening to Ballistic Radio. Welcome back to Ballistic Radio, brought to you by Big Tech's Ordnance, where every customer is a friend, not just an order. Visit them online at bigtechsordnance.com. This segment also brought to you by Big Tech's Ordnance. Big Tech's Ordnance is the best place for you to find all of your everyday carry needs at the absolute best prices. Maybe you need all the Candela from Mod Light at the lowest price? No problem. Spend too much time alone in your room, and now you need an optic on your carry gun? Well, Big Tech's Ordnance has those, and they're not going to judge. Glock accessories, yes, fast, cheap shipping, 100% hassle-free returns, all that and more. And best of all, Big Tech's Ordnance has Ike. He's a good man and thorough. I like Ike. Everybody likes Ike. And you'll like Ike, too. Visit BigTechsOrdnance.com today and find out what happens when every customer is a friend, not just an order. Man, I messed that one up, too. Barely. Imperceptible. But I'll point it out so you guys notice. We're talking with Rhett Newmare from uh, Demonstrated Concepts. And you were talking about, like, essentially the, the stop, the, the thing that you can control the most if presented with a, a lethal force, uh, deadly threat against your life, and you need that to end right now, is essentially destroying the central nervous system is the only way to be sure that someone stops what they're doing. And you were talking about the target that you select there. Um, Do you think that that, I guess, prioritization of targeting areas makes your math a little bit different in regards to either what's acceptable or maybe even what's desirable? I do. Uh, I do. I think when I, when, you know, when I have uh, seen what I've seen and, and um, I've made this, you know, this assessment that uh, really, I'm just, I just care about getting deep enough to penetrate those, uh, those structures. Um, and that really takes the focus away from this obsession that the industry has with, uh, putting very large diameter holes in the hopes of lowering blood pressure to a certain point where you, I guess, attackers would pass out. Um, Cause I just don't, that's one thing that I do not see when I look at all of the footage that we ha- that we all have access to now. I don't see people leaking out. I see, uh, I see psychological, like you took the fight out of them. Or I see like you physically, you wounded them in a way where they can't go on. And that's usually just central nervous stuff. 
When, and to clarify that, you're not saying that it doesn't happen. You're saying it just doesn't happen during the actual fight. Right. It doesn't happen fast enough. Right. Um, for it to matter in, in that fight. And I'm, I mean, this could be, you know, these, uh, a really like an arterial shot versus like six peripheral torso shots. And depending on caliber, they may have openings in the body enough to enough to equate to exactly the same cubic feet per minute leakage as one another. Um, and all of those are basically like, you're not going to leak some, you're not going to empty the bag of blood that is a human in the quantity of seconds that it takes someone to end your life. Well, and to be clear. So if anyone's looking for like a solid metric of how much blood does someone need to lose before they, you know, fall unconscious, um, it starts to become possible at 30 to 40% of their blood volume, right? And it's almost assured right around 50%, plus or minus. Sure. But when you, when you think about how much blood is in a human being and how much they need to lose um, before they're unable to maintain enough blood pressure to their brain to stay conscious, as you said um that's <laughs> that's a while especially if they're armed with a ballistic instrument you know yeah. um so would you say that since i mean let me ask you this again going back into some context and background your as you said at the beginning primarily interested in subcompact or micro guns or micro subcompact whichever the you know correct sure. terminology is right now and um you're actually a fan of revolvers too for deep concealment for for certain applications do you think that you know if for whatever reason someone saw a good reason to select a revolver for their use case that they would be better served with a 22 caliber revolver in comparison to your standard 38 it, like with all of this context in mind yeah i i do i think that um so the hardest part of shooting is hitting what you want to hit and when we're talking about targets that are you know i've i've kind of just made the game a little bit harder by by picking these targets that I know work rather than these targets that kind of sometimes work. Well, the targets that I know work are, are this two inch line from your, from your base of your neck to your pelvis and this um, fist sized ball of tissue between your eyes and maybe one, um, you know, right between your nipples. Uh, that, that demands a level of precision that a lot of shooters struggle to get to. So uh, yes, good, go train, take lots of classes, do that, practice on small targets, do that too, but also um, select the gun that, uh, that is the easiest to manage those precision shots. And I think if you ask any shooter at any level, what is the easiest gun to shoot? All of them are going to say a 22 LR. Um, the, the argument against the 22 until recently was, uh, that a lot of the rounds for the 22 failed to make enough penetration to, to get to the targets that I'm talking about. And what I see in the newest releases of ammo and, and even I'll, I'll say one load that's been around for a while, um, you put the right gun and the right ammo together, we can, we can get there. Right. Well, and the other thing too, is that when you get into, What's funny is you and I have sort of come to the same conclusion and just approached it from very different directions. And, and, you know, when I say same conclusion, like I, I agree with you completely as far as targeting zones go and how you train people to do that. Um, in so much as, Hey, really small targets. And here's some of the pre-need decision-making that you need to have made ahead of time. As far as what am I actually shooting at? Why am I shooting at it? Um, you're just, you, you're on the deep concealment train 
And, you know, the answer that you've gotten with that in mind, I think makes complete and total sense. And, you know, I'm carrying around a full-size gun with an optic uh, and, you know, 18 rounds of nine millimeter in the gun. But again, it's, I don't think either one of us is wrong. I think where, I think the part that frustrates me and why I wanted to have you on was, you know, the things that you're suggesting, oftentimes people are like, well, that guy doesn't know anything. I'm like, no, that's, that makes a ton of sense. And especially, let me ask you this, is there a quantifiable effect that having 22 caliber priced ammunition has on a shooter's overall development? Oh, absolutely. Um, so I was, I was, was going to dive into this. So that's perfect. The, my choice for 22 LR, uh, is, and when I, when I, when I tell this to people, they're always immediately follow up. Well, why not 22 Magnum? Why not some of the 32 caliber, like, like 327 fed mag, uh, why not those guns? Um, and I mean, one of the biggest factors there is price and availability of the ammo. I really like the idea of carrying something like the the 327 fed lcr a lot of really dialed in dudes love that gun i think it's a great gun it has a lighter trigger press than the 22 lr version does because it's center fire um here's the problem i can't source that ammo and i can't afford to feed that gun to train enough uh to my level of training right i i'm I'm trying to shoot several thousand rounds of ammo a year. And if I go to 22 mag, well, that's the same cost as nine millimeter. If I go to anything in 32, it's almost guaranteed to be within a quarter of a buck a shot. A lot of those are a buck per trigger press. Um, 38 special ain't cheap either. Uh, So, you know, when we're talking about how these, these precision shots, well, half the battle is being able to control the gun. Um, half of that battle is shooting the gun enough to control it. But the other entire 50% of this whole conversation is getting the reps in and being comfortable with that gun. And that just means, you know, uh, pressing that trigger several thousand times under what you will experience in a fight as far as recoil is concerned. Um, so there's, there's that benefit. The other, the other side benefit there is dry fire with 22 LR is almost identical to live fire with 22 LR, like as in it doesn't really have recoil. Right. Well, and, and that's, you know, I think again, cause I've, I've run into this multiple times, right. In that I'll be having a conversation with someone. Uh, I was having a conversation with, uh, with a friend of mine that carries a gun and hunts real bad people professionally. That's their job. I was having a conversation about training standards. And, you know, they they were talking about essentially, you know, what someone needs to be able to do and being kind of judging about, um, you know, if people couldn't do that. Regular everyday earth people. So not even talking cops. Um, just, just... Um, you know, average Joe gun toter. And I said, uh, you know, I listened to what they said and I go, Hey, out of curiosity, uh, if you were to put a dollar figure on the amount of training that you have received from the government, what do you think it would be? And they paused like real long pause. And, and they go like overall, I'm like, yeah, overall. And see them think a little bit and they're like, uh, $10, 15000000 million. I'm like, there you go. And <laughs> whereas when, when you look at the fact that for a lot of people, the idea of going and spending $2,000 on a weekend of training with a national level instructor, when you figure in ammo, lodging, travel, tuition two grand i think is fair yeah um that's beyond a lot of people so to be able to take a student and 
as you said, have them, you know, firing maybe 500 or a thousand rounds a month versus 50. That's huge. That is massive. It's something right. And, yeah. and also I'll just talk about in the classes themselves. One of the things that I see when I go to these, these awesome classes is training fatigue. There's the mental fatigue of the day. Um, but there's also like, I watch guns wear people out as a job, right? Mm-hmm. I, I see this all the time. One thing that will extend your ability to, uh, to retain information and to keep learning longer is to not get beat up by a gun in class. Now we both have approached this from different ways. You can, you can do this with a nine millimeter full size gun made out of, you know, depleted uranium and, and with a comp on it, or you can just shoot a 22. Yeah. Yeah. And again, you know, and, and I think that's the, the giant thing is like the way I've chosen to solve the issues that I have chosen to solve is based entirely off of my, you know, means, ability and resources. Right. Um, and I don't think anybody should look at what I'm doing and go, I'm going to do exactly what John does. Uh, because it might not make sense for everyone, and, you for, know, and for people and, that can though. Well, yeah. I mean, when the other thing too, is I don't think you're telling anyone like, Hey, you should do exactly what I'm doing. I think you're more of putting the information out and going, well, here's why I'm doing what I'm doing. And if it makes sense to you and you'd like to adopt it, cool. But if not, that's cool too. But again, people take it very much as a, like, you know, a heresy almost. Yeah. Uh, burn the heretic. Um, we got to go to break and we'll get just maybe a tiny bit deeper into this than the last segment. Um, we're talking with Rhett Newmary. You're listening to Ballistic Radio. Welcome back to Ballistic Radio brought to you by Big Tech's Ordinance, where every customer is a friend, not just an order. Visit them online at bigtechsordinance.com. So we're talking with Rhett Newmayer and sort of, I mean, honestly, having a meandering conversation where we both say, yeah, yeah, no, I, I dig that, uh, <laughs> which <laughs> hopefully people want to listen to. And if they don't, um, too bad. But uh, you can turn the show off whenever you'd like. <laughs> um, the, I guess, so going back into everything, um, how much do you think the context of trying to apprehend or hunt armed people versus trying to get someone to disengage affects what people are interested in or should be interested in also? It has a, it has a big, well, it, it's meaningful is what I'll say. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that, uh, so if I were a cop today, I probably would not choose a 22 LR revolver as my duty pistol mm-hmm. because there's a, I mean, it's a completely different mission, right? Um, I am going to have to engage bad guys who are not engaging me. I'm probably going to have to deal with shooting them through like cars and walls. And, uh, and also every, every bad guy that I encounter is going to look at me like I am a threat to their life. Uh, which I think is very different than the majority of bad guys out there that are just kind of like the, the predators that we are more likely to encounter as regular people. The guy trying to steal my wallet um, does not need to, to kill me in order to maintain his freedom when things go sideways in that robbery. If I'm a cop, that's very different, right? They know that they're going to be chased down and put away forever. Um, so the fight is, there's a little more fight in those bad guys when they're dealing with law enforcement. Um, whereas with me, I, you know, uh, just a normal guy, uh, you don't get my wallet. I pull a gun on you. I think a whole lot of bad guys just, we, we see this, right? Oh, you are no longer the person that I want to deal with right now. I need to move on to the next victim. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think and... Go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. Well, I want I apologize for interrupting you, but I think that you've actually really just kind of highlighted something that a lot of people don't like talking about, um, or it makes people angry to talk about the, 
you know, clearly if someone is targeting you for violence, they did not think you were a problem. And being a problem and being a problem in a way that is as shocking as possible to them is frankly paramount to success in my opinion. Um, like the, you know, the sooner we can apply effective resistance with the least amount of warning to them, um, the better it is for us. Yeah. 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 And that, that goes into my selection for some of the very small and, and maybe even my, my preference for a hammerless snubby revolver in that role too. Uh, because I, I find that, um, I can access them at what I will call ridiculous speed or, or like uh, ludicrous speed. Come on. Yeah. yeah. Reckless. Get your terminology, right. There we go. Yeah. But, but I can be a lot more reckless and just smash a hand to, to grip that gun when I have something like a little, a uh, heavy, long double action only revolver uh, to get that gun in the fight faster. I think, I think that's a part of it. That's, that's not a part of the, the terminal ballistics conversation, but I think, um, it, it does. It does. It does weigh in on on why I select the guns that I do there. Because mm-hmm. um, I, you know, put a put a striker fire gun in your pocket and feel safe. Generally, it's it's hard to do. Right. Put a long double action trigger in your pocket, and it's like, yeah, something really bad has to happen to press that trigger. I'm not going to talk about pocket carry at all. I'm just saying, if we when I smash a hand in to get a good grip on a gun i know that on a semi-auto for most of the striker fire guns i gotta do a good job of it every single time and on a snubby i can do a really poor job of it have a compromised grip still get the gun out and run the gun to a high level because there's no recoil knocking the thing out of my hand because the shape of the gun in general just uh lends itself well to me putting a hand anywhere and, and going well, not only that, but it's likely to run with a compromised grip or a less yeah. than perfect grip. Yep. Um, and, and unlike the snubbies that have the larger calibers, I can run my hand. Uh, if I, my sport hand completely covers the cylinder gap, I'm still not getting any hurt at all by it. It's going to blacken my hand. That's it. There's no blister, nothing. Right. And, uh, and again, so, and, and cause I know someone's going to say, um, it's not even a factor of what the damage that something like that is causing so much as the effect it has on where your rounds go. If it's happening in the middle of an actual fight, that's not a good distraction to have. Um, it, it, I assume is kind of a factor there for you as well. Yeah. I don't have to think about, there's no conscious thought at all. Uh, when it comes to like grip positioning, uh, trigger finger alignment and like smoothness of press, there's no conscious thought at all in my draw process when I'm running a little 22 snubby. I cannot say the same is true when I'm talking about the, you know, running the 365 series guns that I like or any of the larger striker fired guns. There's, um, I got to get stuff right. And if I am having to invest conscious thought after shooting, I mean, I'm shooting tens of thousands of rounds annually and I'm trying to keep up on my skills. I won't call myself the best ever, but I am very deeply invested in maintaining this skill set and I still have to think about it. Uh, it's something. Right. Well, and I guess for the, for the TLDR crowd, essentially, if we were to sum up, it doesn't really matter what caliber you select if you've decided that the only way you can 100% affect the outcome of the fight is by putting around through someone's ocular window. Right. And so, yeah, to bring this back to the terminal ballistics discussion, um, the, the gun matters. You have to test, the, test your gun and make sure that, that stuff lines up. Doesn't mean you personally have to test, but you can go online and find resources of what, what works and what doesn't. Um, but I find that with my little LCR 22, the, the CCI velocitors work in the heavy clothing tests that I've done, 
um, through calibrated gel. And so do the, the federal punch, the 29 grain federal punch rounds. They go, um, that punch actually often makes it all the way through the 16 inch block, which is the kind of the, maybe the catalyst for this conversation. I, I have a video on YouTube showing that, um, you know, three of the five stop in the block two go all the way through mm-hmm. after four layers of heavy denim. Um, personally, having personally seen some of the stuff and just digging through files and, you know, the massive amount of, of open source, um, like corner report stuff that's out there. Uh, yeah, I can say that I've seen a 22 LR projectile from a handgun go through the sternum of someone through that, that chest cavity and, uh, through uh, a spinal column. And, and that was an immediately incapacitating hit. Um, it, it just, it does that enough of the time that I feel like I, I think it's an acceptable caliber for personal defense, um, for, for the vast majority of people. Well, and I, I'd like to kind of add to that. I think one of the massive problems that's occurring here is that people think they have a lot more margin for error with, you know, center fire rounds than they actually do. Um, From everything that I have seen and, you know, for, to the best of my knowledge at the end of the day, unless the pistol round you're firing physically interacts with very specific structures, a miss is a miss. Um, A close miss is, you know, the the adjective there, uh, you know, uh, it, close doesn't matter. Not not right. with handgun rounds. Um, you know, shotgun rounds, sure. Uh, rifle rounds, sure. I'll 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 say that that becomes a factor. But you know, when we're talking about nine forty, forty five, three fifty seven sig you know, 30 super carry, uh, any 38, like whatever, you know, 10 millimeter, um, it, you got to hit it. You, you've yep. got to hit it. And I don't think people like that, you know? I, well, yeah, it's very disheartening to, to see, um, I, in, in my, um, in my defense draw stroke class, I, I do a talk on roughly what we've been talking about here, what works and what doesn't. And I hold up a, a, a scale skeleton. I say, hey, here's, here's the boxes that you're working with. Here are the actual bone structures that is housing the, the central nervous system. Here's what you got. Um, people always seem to focus in on how skinny that spine is and how, how narrow the skull is in a full frontal facing position. Uh, but I, I maybe the the message of hope here, one that I focus in on in the class is, uh, well, we can practice at least we can limit our focus on making precise hits uh, in in a, a specific plane. So I don't I give students much less trouble when I see groups that are oblong shaped that have vertical stringing. Then when I see groups that are overall round shotgun patterns or, uh, or any group that has significant left-right deviation, because I think there's, there are more consequences, there are more negative consequences, both in terminal ballistics and actually immediately physically incapacitating people, but also um, in personal liability for errant shots, more consequences in missing a little bit left or a little bit right than there are in missing a little bit up and a little bit down mm-hmm. uh, generally. And well, um, yeah. when you've, you've been through some of my coursework and I, if I remember correctly, um, I try and talk about misses along a center line and why those are more better than, than, than left, right. So I'm, I'm right there with you. You know um, I, I agree wholeheartedly. Um, we're up towards the end of the show. Uh, what would be the final thought that you would leave people with? And then tell us where, uh, people can, I guess, be, be made mad on the internet by your, uh, your musings. (laughs) Okay. Uh, so 
Uh, so I think final thoughts for the, the terminal ballistics discussion is just take a look, take an honest look at why you are carrying what you are carrying. Um, and if, if that tracks with the idea that we are only poking holes is the difference between 22 and like, you know, 38 uh, significant enough when you're talking about the only meaningful thing is the, the hole. Um, and then think, be honest with yourself again about recoil. Uh, even, even in the difference between your light recoiling range ammo versus your maybe a little more stout um, defense ammo, is it, is it meaningful? If the answer is yes, then maybe you have just justified that, uh, that going to a smaller caliber may be the, the better choice for you um, in your ability to make meaningful hits in a defensive context. The other thing is, guys, be real honest about how often you're carrying and how you are carrying. Um, different discussion here, but uh, I, I carry all the time, just about, you know, all the time everywhere, right? From the time I wake up to the time I go to bed, I'm carrying, it's just a part of me. That is, I think, is the ideal state to be prepared for this unexpected event. If you're carrying sometimes because your gun is too big for that, uh, that goes against the entire reason why you've set up to do training and everything like that. Um, now, if you want to find me uh, and see the stuff that I do, you can uh, you can go to demonstratedconcepts.com or you can just type in demonstrated concepts in YouTube. And I've got a full YouTube channel there. And I, I try and do uh, a weekly video for you guys. Thanks. Hey, Rhett, I really appreciate it. Um... I uh, I love watching you swim upstream like, on some of this <laughs> stuff, and uh, I, I hope you keep doing it, man. It's a lot of fun just to observe. Um, so, and, and thanks for taking the time out of your day to uh, talk to everyone. Awesome. Thank you, John. Great talking hey, with you. Yeah. Uh, hey, guys, make sure you check out our website, BallisticRadio.com, like our Facebook page at Facebook.com slash radio. And hey, if you think we've earned it, please keep leaving those five-star reviews on iTunes. It helps us out and it helps other people find the show. Thanks for listening, everyone. As always, be safe and see you next week. Don't drop it.